Thanks for downloading today's podcast of Clearly Seen, taught by Mike Kokoris. I think you're going to enjoy what Mike has for you today. And if you're ever in the San Fernando Valley area of Los Angeles, we invite you to Lindley Church. Mike would love to meet you personally and answer any questions you have. Feel free to email your comments and questions to michael at kokoris.com. Now, let's hear from Mike. What happens when believers decide that they're going to honor the Lord in all that they do? They decide, I'm going to honor the Lord at work, I'm going to honor the Lord at home, I'm going to honor the Lord in my personal life. The question is really this. If you were to decide that you were going to honor the Lord in everything you do, would that prevent problems? Or would it produce problems? I think there is a, an opinion abroad that if we just were more dedicated to the Lord, we wouldn't have as many problems. Is that true? What really happens when you decide to honor the Lord? Well, there's a test case that we can look at to answer that question. In the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, there was a man named Joseph. And that man decided that he was going to honor the Lord. And what happened to him is an indication of what happens to us when we do the same kind of thing. So may I invite your attention to Genesis chapter 39, and let's examine the life of Joseph, at least this episode in it, and see how that might apply to us. I'm going to begin reading with verse 1, where we're told, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now, to really understand what's going on here, we need to pause and uh, review a little. Uh, you will recall that prior to this, uh, Joseph uh, was a family man up in Palestine. At least he was a member of the family. He had 11 other brothers, but he was sort of the apple of the eye of his father. And to make matters worse, he had a dream or two, and those dreams seemed to indicate that someday he was going to be over all of the others. And that provoked them. They were jealous of him. That's putting it mildly. And so they concocted this idea that they would sell him into slavery. So they literally sold their brother to some merchants who were traveling through. And those merchants who bought him took him to Egypt. Now, that's the backdrop of this story before you get to chapter 39, verse 1. Now, verse 39, verse 1 opens by saying, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. 
And it goes on to say that he was purchased by Potiphar. Potiphar is identified as an officer of Pharaoh. He's identified as captain of the guard and as an an Egyptian. Now, that's the background of the story. Joseph has been made a slave, and he's been bought by Potiphar. Verse 2 says, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man and was in the house of the master, his master, the Egyptian. Now, what is going on here is very interesting. Just makes the statement, the Lord is with him, and he was successful. But I think we need to put those two things together. The Lord was with him, and that's why he was successful. He was honoring the Lord, and the Lord was honoring him. It will become evident as we dig into this chapter that Joseph was honoring the Lord. That's stated later in verse 9. We'll get to that in a bit. But it's interesting to note that early in the chapter it says, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he was successful. Part of the success was he was in the house of his master, which verse 2 tells us at the end of the verse. In other words, he wasn't in the servants' quarters. He was favored by Potiphar and was actually a resident in the main house of Potiphar. So the passage opens by telling us of the success of Joseph. He has been promoted, apparently, among the slaves. Now, the story continues. Verse 3, And his master saw that the Lord was with him. Please note, verse 2, The Lord was with Joseph. Verse 3, And the master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made him, made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. Now this is the continuing success of Joseph. But notice, the text says that his master saw that the Lord was with him. Notice it doesn't say God was with him. It says the Lord was with him. Now as you know, In the Old Testament, the word Lord is the covenant name of God. This is sometimes translated uh, Yahweh, uh, that this is the God of the nation of Israel, the personal God. So Potiphar didn't just notice that Joseph had some kind of divine favor. He specifically noticed that the God of Israel was blessing him. And you've got to ask, how in the world did he know that? And the answer is, Joseph must have told him. Uh, the Bible says in the Gospel of Matthew, let your works shine so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That isn't just saying do good works to impress people, but you have to talk as well as do the good works, or how else would they know 
that you were doing them because of your Father who is in heaven, and that you are his child. So I take it that that's what's going on here. Joseph no doubt told Potiphar about his honoring the Lord, his commitment to the Lord. So the text tells us, when his master saw it, um, he, that he was successful, he, uh, that, that, when, I'm in verse 3, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made him all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Potiphar got it. He therefore found favor in Potiphar's sight and served him. Then Potiphar made him overseer of his house, and all he had was put under his authority. Now you might notice in verse 3 he was in the house. Now in verse 4 he is overseer. He's over the house. So again, the Lord is honoring Joseph, and he is making him successful, and that is indicated by the fact that he's been promoted again, not to be in the house, but this time he's been promoted to be over the house. There is a lesson here. There is a lesson here for all of us, and that is that if we are faithful in little things, the Lord sees to it that we are promoted. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 16, we are told in verse 10 that Jesus said, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in the least is unjust in much. So he goes on to say, Therefore, if you have been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, meaning money, who will commit to you the true, uh, trust you with the true riches? But if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? So Jesus is saying in that passage that if you're faithful in little things, you get promoted to big things. And Joseph is an illustration of that. Matter of fact, look at verse 5 back in Genesis 39. And it was from the time that he made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. So the Lord was with Joseph and for Joseph's sake blessed the Egyptian's. And he blessed him in his house, and he blessed him in his field. He blessed him in producing bumper crops, so to speak. He, we would say he blessed him in his business. Now, this is a uh, principle that's established early in the book of Genesis and taught throughout the scripture. Namely, back in Genesis chapter 12, the Lord said he was going to bless Abraham and Abraham was going to be a blessing to the world. That's the principle on which God operates. He blesses us so that we can bless others. And that's what's happening. The simple summary of what this passage is teaching us is that Joseph honored the Lord, and the Lord honored Joseph. 
verse 6 says, Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except that the bread which he ate. Now Joseph's hand was handsome in form and in appearance. Please notice, Potiphar so blessed Joseph that Joseph did not know. Uh, I'm sorry, Potiphar did not know anything that was going on in his business. He so trusted Joseph, Joseph had control over everything, took care of everything, and Potiphar went on about his other business and didn't know about what was going on in his own personal business under Joseph. But look at the last part of verse 6. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Joseph was a very handsome man. Uh, that is a very interesting statement. Uh, it, uh, somebody has said, Joseph had a fine physique and a handsome face. Features uh, that he seemed to have inherited from his mother, Rachel. Another said, he was well-built and good-looking. As a matter of fact, there are only two other men in all of the Bible of which it is said that they were handsome. One is David, and the other is Absalom. But what really intrigues me about this is that the book of Genesis talks about people being physically beautiful. And other than Joseph, it's the women in the Bible who are said to be beautiful, and they're all related to Joseph. So let's take a minute and just do a quick survey of this. In Genesis chapter 12, it says, And it came to pass when he, that's Abram, was close to entering Egypt, that he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. And of course, he wanted to lie about her, saying he was, uh, she was his sister, for fear that somebody would be so impressed with their, her beauty, they would kill him and take her. But the point I want to make is, the scripture says she was a beautiful woman. The same thing is said of Rebekah in Genesis chapter 26, verse 7, where it says, um, And the men of the place ask about his wife, that is Isaac's wife. And he says, she is my sister. He did the same thing his father did. He said his wife was his sister. Verse 7 says, For he was afraid to say that she is my wife, because he thought, lest the men of the place kill me for Rebekah, because she is beautiful to behold. So, Sarai, who later became Sarah, was said to be beautiful, and so was Rebekah. There's one more. In Genesis chapter 29, verse 17, we are told that Rachel was a very lovely lady. We are told that um, uh, Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. So she was one gorgeous gal. 
Apparently, all of these women could have won, what, the Miss America contest? The way the text talks about it, maybe they could have won the Miss Universe context. They were gorgeous women. And one of them had a son who was also handsome and well-built. He was good-looking. He was handsome and in form and in appearance. He had a uh, Charles Atlas body. Now, for some of you who don't remember, he was the ultimate of physical physique. At any rate, the text back in chapter 39 is telling us that Joseph was a very good-looking man. Now, that's important to the story in Genesis 39 because of what happens next. Let's pick it up at verse 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all this to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or be with her. Ah. First part of this passage, first six verses, It's telling us simply that Joseph honored the Lord. The Lord honored Joseph. That Joseph was successful because he honored the Lord and the Lord honored him. He was promoted to being in the house, then over the house, then having, being over all that his master had. And now, beginning in verse 7, is a turn of events. Now all of a sudden, He is tempted. In the first six verses, he was trusted by Potiphar. In verses 7 to 12, he is tempted by Potiphar's wife. This is the second phase of this story. The text simply says that she longed after him. She lusted after him. We joke about men lusting after women, and of course that's true. But I think it doesn't get as much press that women sometimes lust after men. As a matter of fact, uh, I had a regular appointment with my doctor this week, and there were a couple of girls in the office that know me on a first-name basis because I'm... uh, so regular in there, been, uh, he's been my doctor for several years, and we got into this conversation about the doctor that was first my doctor in that office, and I said, uh, did you ever hear of him? I was his first patient when he graduated from medical school, uh, and I signed up for that uh, insurance company, and they assigned me to that doctor. I was his first patient. 
Now, neither one of those young receptionists had seen him. They hadn't worked there that long enough because I've been going there for years. And um, they said, no, we haven't met him, but we heard about him. Now, that doctor had a great bedside manner. He was my doctor and my wife's doctor, and we both just loved him. And I said to them, oh, what, did, what do you hear? And they said how good-looking he was. That was the first thing they said. Not that he was a great doctor, but that he was good-looking. That's what the women were saying. And I said, ah, oh, that's what the women talk about in the restroom. I know what the men talk about in the locker room, but that's what the girls talk about. And they laugh. Well, that's what happened here. The woman, Potiphar's wife, lusted after Joseph. And he refused. Now, what is significant about this is that the text says to us, in verse 10, she spoke to him day by day. In other words, this was not a single event. This happened over and over and over again. She was constantly trying to seduce him, and he repeatedly refused. Matter of fact, he refused to such an extent, and I think this is very insightful, that verse 10 says he did not heed her to lie with her, he wouldn't go to his bed, her bedroom, or to be with her. He not only refused her sexual advances, but he refused to even be with her. He avoided her. Now, the reason I say that's an insightful observation is because the text tells us that uh, we are not to make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. It's a statement in the book of Romans that the way it's normally stated is if you have a problem with drinking, don't go to a bar. So Joseph was avoiding the very opportunity. He, was, he wouldn't even be with her. So it says in verse 11, But it happened from this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house were inside, that she caught him by the garment saying, Lie with me! But he let left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. So she so hounded him, persisted him, until one day she grabbed him by the coat. And he was so committed to honoring the Lord in this area of his life that he fled and left his coat behind. Again, this is very instructive. Interestingly enough, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, flee immorality. Flee sexual immorality. So Romans says, don't make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And 1 Corinthians 6 says the way to do that is to flee. As a matter of fact, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, and he will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. What's that way of escape? 
Well, the next verse says, flee. In that case, it's flee idolatry, but flee. Don't sit around. Leave. Flee. Don't stay. So again, what we have is Joseph honoring the Lord. Does that prevent all problems? And the answer is no. The Lord was with him. The Lord blessed him. He was promoted again and again, but it didn't solve all the problems. Matter of fact, it created a problem for him. Someone has said, Joseph simply refused. There was no debating, no flirtatious conversation. He refused to lie with her or be with her. Another has said, success in temptation depends more on character than on circumstances. Character rests on commitment to the will of God. We can see Joseph's character in his loyalty to Potiphar concerning what his master had entrusted to his care. We also see it in the responsibility of, to God for what belonged to someone else. It is further obvious in his responsibility to God respecting his special personal calling. Additionally, we see it in his responsibility to God concerning his sacred vocation as a member of the house of Israel. So, just because you decide to honor the Lord does not mean that it will prevent all the problems in your life. What could be clear? That Joseph honored the Lord, and yet he encountered an enormous temptation. If you honor the Lord, you will not prevent temptation. It will still be there. When that happened to Joseph, he refused the temptation, and he refused to make provision for the flesh. So, I repeat again. Joseph honored the Lord. The Lord honored Joseph. He made him successful. He blessed him. He blessed others through him. But that didn't prevent all of the problems. As a matter of fact, the next phase in this chapter is Joseph gets tested. He was trusted by Potiphar. He was tempted by Potiphar's wife. And now he gets tested. Just how bad can it get? Well, look at verse 13. And it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, that she called to the men of the house and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept the garment with her until his master, her husband, came home. The old proverb says, Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Joseph refused her sexual advances, and now she's a scorned woman. 
and she cries rape. She calls the men, says, look, he tried to rape me. and When I screamed, he fled, and I have his garment in my hand. But I want you to notice what she said to them a little more carefully. Verse 14 says, she said, see, he brought in to us a Hebrew to mock us. Now, what in the world is she saying? Who brought him, who brought Joseph in to the house? And the answer is Potiphar. She's blaming her husband. She's saying it's really his fault. He's the one that brought this Hebrew into the house. And he came so he could mock us. Meaning, I guess, the other ladies in the house. So she kept the garment to show it to her husband. Verse 19 says, And so it was when his master and her husband heard his words, which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after the manner that he, his anger was aroused. Of course, when Potiphar got home, and he heard that this man that he had entrusted with to have the authority and the oversight and the care of all that he had had now attacked his wife. He was angry. So we are told in verse 20, then Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. Wow. Here he has honored the Lord, and the Lord has honored him, but <laughs> he ends up in jail. He ends up in prison. Matter of fact, it says he's in the king's prison. So he wasn't just in any prison. He was in the political prison, which apparently was worse than just being in an ordinary prison. As a matter of fact, his experience is mentioned in Psalm 105. Verse 17, speaking of Joseph, says, He sent a man before them, Joseph, and he was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters, and he was laid in iron until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. So Psalm 105 lets us in on what is happening here, namely that he was being tested by the Lord. So let's go back to Genesis 39. Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. Look at that. He's sunk now all the way to prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So here we go again. Uh, Joseph has honored the Lord, and the Lord has honored Joseph. So he gets thrown in prison, and one of the blessings of God on Joseph is he finds favor and mercy in the sight 
of the warden of the jail, the keeper of the prison. So he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison, verse 22, committed to Joseph's hand all prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. (laughs) He gets promoted again. He got promoted several times under Potiphar. He gets to prison and he gets promoted again. He gets to be over all the prisoners. And again, the interesting phrase in verse 21, but the Lord was with him. And the keeper of the prison, verse 23, did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. So, what we have here in just very simple terms is the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph honored the Lord, and the Lord honored Joseph. I began by saying, what happens when you honor the Lord? And the answer is, the Lord honors you. But that doesn't mean that you will escape all trouble and solve all problems. Just because you're honoring the Lord, just because the Lord is blessing you, does not mean that all your problems will be solved and go away. Matter of fact, there's a verse in 1 Samuel chapter 2 that says, Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me, for those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. That's the text that I think really summarizes a lot that's in Genesis chapter 39. Those who honor the Lord, the Lord honors. So let's uh, put all this together and think about it for a minute. This chapter is simply telling us that because Joseph honored the Lord, the Lord was with him in his job, verse 2, in his temptation, verse 9, in prison, verse 21. And as a result, he was honored by the Lord. So one of the great lessons here is if you honor the Lord, the Lord will honor you. But that doesn't mean there won't be trouble in your life. Uh, Before I close, I'd like to make a couple of observations And one is, I'd like to put this story in the context of the book. Uh, We tend to isolate these stories and just look at them uh, in isolation. But uh, we really should uh, uh, look at them in the context of a book. Uh, One fellow has summarized this, uh, put this story in the context of the book so well, I'd like to just share with you what he said. Quote, This story about Joseph reverses a well-known plot in the patriarchal narratives. 
Whereas before it was the beautiful wife of the patriarchs who was sought by the foreign rulers, now it was Joseph, the handsome patriarch, who himself sought, was sought by the wife of the foreign ruler. Whereas in the earlier narratives it was either the Lord or the moral purity of the foreign ruler that rescued the wife rather than the patriarch, here it was Joseph's own moral courage that saved the day. Whereas in the preceding narratives, the focus of the writer has been on God's faithfulness in fulfilling his covenant promise, in the story of Joseph, his attention is turned to the human response. The Joseph narratives are intended then to give balance to the narratives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Together, the two sections show both God's faithfulness in spite of human failure, as well as the necessity of an obedient and faithful response. End of quote. May I repeat that? It's critical. In seeing this story in light of the book, together, the two sections, the previous stories and this one, together, show both God's faithfulness in spite of human failure as well as the necessity of an obedient and faithful response. But then, let's look at the story itself. Each scene in the record of Joseph's life reveals some distinctive trait of character. Usually, it comes out by means of a crisis. Joseph experienced God's blessing as he served faithfully in Potiphar's house. His master's wife repeatedly seduced him, but he refused her offer because he did not want to sin against God and betray Potiphar's trust. Joseph continued to enjoy God's abundant blessing, even when imprisoned because of her false charges. So that's the story of Joseph. He was a man of character. Someone has said, yokes born in youth have at least three results. They prove personal integrity, they promote spiritual maturity, and they prepare for fuller opportunity. In nature and in human life, the best things are not the easiest, but the hardest to obtain. How nobly Joseph handled himself amidst all these trials and hardships. He might have become bitter, but instead this, his, his spirit was unconquered by reason of his trust in the Lord. He steadfastly refused to be unfaithful to the Lord, whatever might be the consequences. So this author says, and I quote, In duty he was loyal, in temptation he was strong, and in prison he was faithful. End of quote. So, that's what we learned from this chapter. Joseph honored the Lord, and as a result, the Lord honored him. That doesn't mean that he didn't have difficulty. 
or temptation. It means that as he honored the Lord, the Lord blessed him. The whole story comes down to verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. That was stated earlier in the chapter, and it's stated again at the end of the chapter. And whatever he did, the Lord was with him. Verse 23. But the Lord was with him. So that's the issue. It isn't that uh, he honored the Lord and got blessed. It's that no matter what happened to him, he honored the Lord. It's, but the Lord was with him. That is what's significant about his honoring the Lord. So we need to honor the Lord. And all that we do, not expecting that that's going to prevent problems, but expecting that no matter what happens, the Lord will be with us. So here's the key. This is what you put in your pocket. But the Lord was with him. Charles Evan Hughes was Secretary of State under Harding and under Coolidge. While attending a Pan-American conference, he told the interpreter to give him a summarized translation of whatever was spoken in Spanish and in Portuguese. He emphasized, quote, while a running translation is ample for my purpose, I want you to give me every word after the speaker says, but. He went on to explain, what follows but is the most important part. That was true of those speeches Hughes heard long ago. That is true in this passage and that is true in our lives. If we honor the Lord, the Lord will honor us. As verse 21 says, but, no matter what happens, but, no matter what happens, but the Lord was with Joseph. Let's pray.